Good morning and praise the Lord, everybody. Truly, we give honor to God and we're thankful to the Lord for each and one, of, each and every one of you that's joined us via technology, and especially for those that have joined us in our studio. We are also just wanting to continue to send out prayers to uh, Deacon Cynthia Davis, uh, or um, Dennis. I'm sorry, I have LaRonda Davis on my mind. Uh, Cynthia Dennis, just know that we're praying for you. She just went through surgery for. Um, her knee and we're believing that the Lord will continue to uh, heal her body expeditiously and we're thankful to the Lord for even the opportunity that God has given man to have knowledge for which to uh, do such a thing that she would be able to do the things that she's desiring to do move freely in her body and be relieved of the pain uh, that's associated with uh, uh, knee and joint issues if you don't know it believe me wait a while and you will find out because it hits all of us. But we're just thankful to the Lord uh, for her and her life. And um, we're thankful to the Lord for his mercy and bringing her through the surgery uh, successfully. And we're excited that uh, by faith he's going to bring her through the rehabilitation successfully and expeditiously. Uh, we're just so thankful to the Lord for her. Uh, <clears throat> we're excited about what God is doing. We're thankful to the Lord. And I know that sometimes I... Uh, I have a, a bad habit of speaking quickly because I'm trying to get as much information out in as short amount of time. And so just pray for me. The Lord's working on me. But one of the things that I've learned in the process of study is that recaps are really good. When you're given a lot of information, it's always good to give the high points or the highlights of that information to make sure that we're all on the same page so we can all continue to move forward in what God is revealing to us. And I find it very important that we do that even today. Now there's a foundational scripture from which I'll be coming from out of the uh, book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, you should be seeing it on the bottom of your screen now as, it, as it's scrolling. I'm going to read it to you as well. The Bible declares, but a natural man or soulish man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he is not able to know them because they are discerned spiritually. And it's important that we understand the context and the content of this scripture. It's important that we understand it because oftentimes we are trying to understand God things with the wrong mentality. And then we frustrate ourselves. We uh, get into a place where um, you get angry or you just want to throw your hands up and give up or we come up with the phrases that uh, the Bible's too hard to understand or uh, I, I can't receive it because I just can't process it in my mind. And, and that's one of the problems that we're having. You're not meant to process the things of God with your natural mind. They're enmity to your natural mind. There are things that your natural mind will never be able to comprehend, but the spirit of mind, the spirit of God in you will process these things in an instant for your clear understanding. So let's, if we're going to give a title uh, to this sermon today, the, the best one I could come up with would be, Which Man Receives from God? If anyone knows, you know, uh, or has been paying attention the last few weeks that I've been talking about uh, the triunity of God and the triunity of man and the makeup of how God has created us, you'll come to the realization that um, regardless of what you think, there are three different manifestations of you. You are the reflection or the image of God. There are three manifestations of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There are three manifestations of man, mind, body, soul. Um, we have to understand what God is doing so that we can fully operate in the blessing of who we are in Christ. So this begs the question, which man or which representation, I know some of you might say, well, there's like 12 of me that I hear talking uh, at various times in my life. Just ignore all but three. 
actually just ignore all but one and, and we'll get to that a little bit later on but the question really that we have to ask ourselves is, is when I'm trying to understand the word of God which man is it that receives the things of God well, I just read to you what the word declares I gave you the climax at the very beginning of the sermon amen it is the man or the spirit man that receives the things of God. And we're going to talk about that and kind of recap where we've been and set for us a path of where we're going. Now, if you look in the Bible, you, or if you look at the way I wrote the scripture out, you'll see that I highlighted the word soulish. The, the word says natural, but the word natural that's being used uh, here in this text, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, is, is an important word in the Greek text, and it means soulish. So the natural man really means then the soulish man, one of the manifestations of our creation. And the following, uh, following this verse is, is the passage of Scripture that discloses another kind of man. In verse 15, it says, but the spiritual man discerns all things. So the soulish man is what is seen or shown in verse 14. And then you're introduced to the spiritual man in verse 15. Now, these verses tell us very clearly that the soulish man or the natural man cannot receive spiritual things of God. Only the spiritual man can discern them. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to come after me, there's something he has to do. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul life for my sake shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul life? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul life? Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And I encourage you to highlight that and, and we're going to be going back and forth to that text. Now three things are emphasized in verse 24. First, deny yourself. Next, take up your cross. And then finally, follow me. You see, the me is Christ in the Holy Spirit who indwells those who believe. In verse 25 and 26, the Greek word for soul life is the same one for soul. So they um, can be re rendered, whoever wants to save his soul or his soul life shall lose it. But whoever loses his soul or soul life or soulless existence shall, uh, for my sake, shall find it. For what shall a man be profited if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul or his soulish existence? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul or that soul life? We have to lose our soul. In other words, we have to deny self. As a matter of fact, you ought to put that in the comment section as we're starting out today. I need to deny self. The Bible also says that he said to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his soul life shall lose it, but who, whoever loses his soul life for my sake, this one shall save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world but loses or forfeits himself? This is in the book of Luke the ninth chapter, the 23rd through the 25th, and I make a point to add this because in Luke, Luke adds a word that Matthew 16 and 24 does not give, and that word is the word daily. In other words, we must take up our cross daily. Now, these verses also say forfeits himself instead of forfeits his soul life. So this proves then that the soul or the soul life in Matthew is the same as the self-life as illustrated in the text I read from Luke. The Bible also declares, brother, if a man is overtaken in some offense or overtaken in a, in a fault, you 
who are spiritual restore such a one in a spirit of, meek, of meekness, Galatians 6 and 1. So the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your what? Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. You find this in Philemon uh, 25. And in these verses, it refers to the believer's spirit, life, existence, manifestation, representation of God, and not our natural existence, representation, or manifestation. So this is the human spirit that's being referred to. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. This is what Paul tells us in Romans, the eighth chapter and the 10th verse. So the Bible says this, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. It also says, but I say walk by the spirit and you shall by no means fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these oppose each other. They war against each other. They fight against each other. That you would not do the things that you desire. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. Now, the King James Version in this text capitalizes spirit, but the reference is not to the spirit of God. It is to the human spirit. So as we look at and kind of recap the way God does things, what is God's ultimate desire for us? Was God's desire to send his son that religion might be reestablished or established because there was a whole lot of religion going on did jesus come to reestablish a right religion or was the purpose of the desire of god in the coming of jesus solely wrapped around one word and that is restoration because without restoration a broken relationship cannot be restored. So let me just take a moment to recap some of what I've taught you so far over the uh, past few weeks or however long it's been. I believe that I've shown you clearly in, in the last few sermons alone that God's desire and way of doing things is to dispense or pour himself into us. This is his ultimate desire to uh, reignite the relationship of he with us and us with him. And the way that God dispenses himself into us is by the father being embodied in the son and the son being realized in the spirit. In other words, the father is in the son and the son is in the spirit. So not only is the person of the son in the Holy Spirit, but also everything that the son accomplished the work of the son is in the holy spirit so the holy spirit then includes god the father god the son the divine and the human natures of him the human life of Christ with the enduring power of his earthly sufferings, the effectiveness of his death on the cross, the uh, power found in his resurrection, the ascension, and his enthronement. All of these elements are combined together as an all-inclusive medical dose needed to be given to us. And it's given to us or dispensed to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. This past week, uh, I, I don't mind telling you that, that I went out and I got a flu shot and I got a booster shot. Now, whether you believe in those things or not is your own personal uh, you know, choice to make, but I, I got it and I still haven't had that third leg grow. I really was looking for it to make things a little bit easier for me when I felt like leaning, but uh, that third leg hasn't grown yet. But I got that because it puts into me something necessary to help me engage life. And this is what I believe. I'm not afraid of it. And I believe that anything that comes into the body, ultimately my body is covered by the blood of the Lord. And because I'm covered by the blood of the lamb, that even if harm comes into this body, God will deal with it. So I don't worry about it. I trust the medicine that God has inspired man 
to create. And I don't say this trying to encourage you one way or another. I'm just trying to get you to see something. It's important that if you want to put something into yourself, you put something into yourself that's created for a purpose. The Holy Spirit is put into us. It is our all-inclusive dose of God. It's not missing any aspect of God. Everything that God is, is shot into us through the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's through this all-sufficient, uh, all-encompassing uh, Spirit of God or Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit that the fullness of the triunity of the Godhead has been poured uh, into us. And this all-inclusive Spirit is now in our human spirit. Now, in the types of the tabernacle are the temple, uh, the uh, three parts uh, uh, that we've talked about related to the, the tabernacle uh, are the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. This is how the Old Testament describes the building of uh, the tabernacle. And in this Old Testament figure, the Shekinah glory of God and the ark are clearly shown to be in the holy of holies. So... God's presence and Christ are not found in the outer court, nor are they found in the holy place, but they are found in the holy of holies. Now, the three parts of the temple correspond to the three parts of man, body, soul, and spirit. So the New Testament declares that we are the temple of God and that Christ is with our spirit. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4 and 22, the Lord be with your spirit. Now, there are two verses that prove that the Holy Spirit today is working with our spirit. The Bible says the spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are what? The children of God, Romans 8 and 16. It also declares in 1 Corinthians 6 and 17, he who is joined to the Lord is what? one spirit so the lord himself is the spirit each one of us has a spirit and these two spirits are mingled together and become one spirit and this proves that the lord today dwells in our spirit you ought to put it in the comment section i am in my spirit the holy of holies now, some of you might be afraid to declare that, but this is what the word of God is teaching us. The very holy of holies, that which was behind the veil is housed in our spirit. I don't have to. I know that the veil was torn at the death of Christ, but understand that prior to the death of Christ, the high priest had to go back behind the veil. But hey, I am now residing constantly in the place where only the high priest can go. The holy of holies is, is in me. And if we desire to enjoy uh, Jesus fully, we have to know how to discern our spirit. The whole purpose of, of all these sermons is to get you to a place where you are able to recognize and enjoy the relationship that is restored, not outside of you, but in you. It's for this very reason that Hebrews 4 and 12 tells us that our spirit must be divided from our soul. Hebrews also tells us to enter into the holy of holies, which is our human spirit. If Christ is to be enjoyed as our divine portion, we have to know how to enter into this holiest of holy places, our human spirit. You've got to know how to connect to your human spirit. You've got to know how to tap into what your human spirit is trying to introduce to you. In the past century, a number of books have been written about the book of Hebrews. And I believe that one of the best that was written was written by a man named Andrew Murray who entitled his book, The Holiest of All. You see, it's really still good to read books. You'll find a lot of good stuff in there. And the title of this book couldn't be more correct because the book of Hebrews reveals how we can enter the holiest of all. And the holiest of all is found in your human spirit because that is where Jesus 
dwells. It is in the spirit that Christ is our everything. We spend a lot of time looking for Jesus in external places. The whole time, he's jumping up and down, waving his hands. I'm right here inside of you. And we keep missing him because we won't look in the very place that he has purposed himself to be. And if you, uh, I, us, we desire to take part or to be partakers of all that Jesus is, we have to find him. Now, you may be thinking to yourself that uh, Jesus is in heaven, and without a doubt, that's absolutely correct. But if he is only in heaven, how could he be enjoyed here in the earth? Well, hallelujah, he's not only in heaven. But as he is in heaven, at the same time, he is also within us. Not just me, not just you, but all of us. It's important that we understand this. Romans 8 and 34 says that Christ is in heaven at the right hand of God. But the very same chapter says that Christ is also in us. So in just one chapter, the same Jesus in heaven is the same Jesus that's in us. And I can point to scripture that declares to you that we are also in him seated at the right hand of God. We are in the throne room, not just standing out in front of the throne, but we are seated on the throne because we are in him. The Bible declares as he is, so are we. And if he's only in heaven and doesn't exist in us, we could never experience or enjoy him. But I'm so thankful to God that today Christ is not only ascended into heaven, but he has also entered or dispensed himself, poured himself out in everything that he is into us. Christ in our spirit is the mark of God's desire being fulfilled in us. God's desire is to dispense himself into us, to pour into man the all-inclusive triunity of everything that God is. And, and this is the mark of his desire. It is his indwelling. It is the indwelling of uh, presence of Christ within our spirit. So whenever we turn to our spirit, that's when we will meet Jesus. Let me say it again. When we turn to our spirit, that is when we meet Jesus. Because where is Jesus? He is in our spirit. Let me give you an example. If electricity has been installed in my house and I want to use that electricity, what do I need to do? Do I go to the electrical box that's on my neighbor's property? No. I simply turn on the switch to access what is already present in my home. If you're looking for the switch that's in you, the switch is your human spirit. Now, many believers can recite readily John 3:16, but they're ignorant of 2 Timothy 4 and 22. The Lord be with your spirit. And this is just as important as John 3.16. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And we've received him. And where have we received him? In, in our spirit. We have believed in him and received him. But where is he? Into what part of us, what man, what representation of man is Jesus? It is our spirit. For so many years, we've had this treasure. The Bible talks about a, a treasure in our earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power of God might be manifest. But we are ignorant of the fact that, that he has within our human spirit the fullness of who he is. And, you know, we're, we're taught so much about uh prayer and, and about going to God and telling God this is what I want and, and this is what I need and, and uh, I would really like this and I would really like that 
And I'm going to talk to you uh, the difference about the difference between a person who knows the presence of Jesus within them and the person who is really acting as if Jesus is external from them. But praise God that I know where he dwells. The only begotten son of God is in my spirit. You ought to put in the comment section, all of God is in me. The amazing thing about God is God doesn't deny us anything. He doesn't deny us any part of himself. There is no area of God for which he holds from us. He puts all, and this is just amazing. You think about the, the finiteness of the human creation, how limited we are, and the amazing, unlimited presence and power and brilliance and glory of God. He puts it all in us. I, I just, just, you know, imagine in, in my own thinking visually him standing. You ever try to pack a, a suitcase for a long journey, but you don't want that extra airline charge because you got one too many bags? So you sit there and you try to fold it as best you can and get as much in it as you can and it's bursting at the seams and you're sitting on top of it and you're trying to wiggle the, the zippers closed and you're hoping the thing don't burst and you, you're wrapping it with duct tape and everything else you can because you don't want to pay that extra fee for the extra bag. I envision this. I envision this when I think about the magnitude of God The brilliance of God being poured into this. All that God is. He didn't just give me a, a touch of him, a, a, a portion of him. He gave me all of him. He gave you all of him. And this is why the writer of Hebrews tells us that our spirit must be divided from our soul by the word of God. Just as the marrow is encased within the bone and the bone has to be broken before the marrow can be seen, so our spirit where Jesus dwell is uh, much sealed within the soul and that very soul requires it to be broken so that the spirit can be revealed. And it's for this reason that the Lord told us many times that we need to lose our soul or lose ourselves, deny ourselves. In all four of the Gospels, the Lord Jesus exhorted us to lose the soul, to forfeit the soul, to deny self. The soul has to be denied because it has covered up the spirit. And this is the only way to get to the marrow is by breaking and crushing the bone. It's by breaking and tearing apart the joints. The Lord is in our spirit. His grace is in our spirit. But the way to him is by crushing the soul day by day. We've talked at length about what the soul is. What is the soul? And I've already pointed out that the soul is simply summed up in one word, and that's self. The self is the very center of the human being, and it's the human being, and it is the self which must be crossed out. It is the essence of everything that is not the spirit. We should not cross out others, but put ourselves on the cross we must put our own soul on the cross if any man will follow Christ Jesus said he has to deny his soulless life and take up his what cross how many times daily not just yesterday not just tomorrow not just today but day by day by day by day, we have to apply the cross to our soul. With so many believers, there is nothing but their ego. From the first word to the last word, it's always I, 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 
I, but the Christian life is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. How could it be no longer I but Christ? It is by having the I crucified. You ought to put that in the comment section. I needs crucified. I needs crucified. I've been put on the cross and the cross is now on me. I've been crossed out so there is no more I. Whenever I converse as a young believer, as a uh, middle-aged believer, as an old believer, I was in the habit of using uh, the word I in my earlier days, but the Lord brought revelation to my mind. And in those days, I dared not use uh, the word, or in these days, I dare not use the word I, but it's always we because it's not only I as so many others focus on it's Jesus I am nothing without Christ I can do nothing without Christ everything that I am is manifest in Christ everything I am to be everything I accomplish the world wants you to pat yourself on the back for your accomplishments but you have accomplished nothing in and of yourself you lack the wisdom you lack the knowledge you lack the capacity to even understand things that are taught without God's revelation in you if any man would follow Christ he has to do three, three things. Deny the I. You ought to put that in the comment section. Deny the I. Take up the cross daily and follow Christ. Those are the three steps to your victory. Follow Christ who now is not only in heaven but he is in us. And it's easy to follow him when we first deny self and apply the cross. To deny the soul means that we turn from ourselves to the spirit. That in the spirit we find Jesus. Why do the four gospels tell us negatively to deny the soul? Whereas later all the epistles tell us positively to live and do things in the spirit. It's because today the Lord Jesus is in the spirit and his grace is in the spirit. And to follow Christ is a matter of dealing with the spirit. And this is the mark of God's desire being manifest that we need to stretch this again and again and again God's desire is marked with his indwelling we all must be clear that God's eternal plan is to pour himself into our spirit and he's done this already he is now in our spirit to be our life to be our thought, to be our motivation, to be our emotion, to be our all in all. He is our everything. All our needs are met in this wonderful spirit who is alive in us. And when you realize that he is alive in you, you can abide in him. You know, after we get saved... We were given too much religious teaching. You came to the knowledge of Christ and something came alive in you. You realized something's not right with me. I recognize that there's something that is greater than me and I, I've come to this knowledge of who he is and then we hear in pulpits across the world started to teach you religion. I don't know about where other teachers and preachers and evangelists and apostles and prophets and bishops are today, but I can tell you God is moving me away from religious teaching. 
For years I've been shifting from religious teaching, being focused on dotting I's and crossing T's, and I've been pushed into restorative relational teaching, which is what God desires of us. But we were taught many things. We were taught things like God is the creator, and we are his creation. We've taught that we need to fear God, reverence God. We need to serve him. and We need to really ultimately please him. We got to do our best every day to do good. We have to uh, do something to glorify his name. We don't want to ever do anything that detracts from his name. And these are the kinds of things that not only myself, but many in my position would teach these are the things that we would give out to the people of God. And there's nothing really wrong with these so-called religious teachings. In a sense, they are good, but they are not related to God's desire. And God's desire is to pour himself into us. Now, many of us have uh, you know, also re received ethical teachings. Besides being good, we need to be humble and we need to be patient and we need to be nice. And, you know, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all because you're supposed to be loving and you're not supposed to lose your temper. And we have to honor our parents and uh, honor our husbands and love our wives. And uh, our wives should submit to their husbands and uh, husbands should cover their wives even as Christ covers the church. And, you know, these are good and they're ethical teachings. But listen to me. Hear what what I'm telling you today this is what the Lord told us to do he said this is what God declared abide in me and I in you I am the vine you are the branches as the branches you have to abide in me forget about all the religious and the ethical teaching just remember one thing you are a branch of Christ abide in him and let him abide in you. But if we're going to abide in Christ, we got to know where Christ is. If we're going to abide in a house, we have to first know where the house is located. Can we abide in Christ by adding or by abiding in the mind or in our emotions? No. You cannot abide in Christ in your mind or in your emotions because Jesus does not reside in your mind or in your emotions. He resides in your spirit. And if you're going to abide with him, you have to abide with him in your spirit. The Lord himself and his grace are in our spirit. So in order to abide in Christ, you have to discern your spirit. When we abide in him in the spirit, he will have the opportunity to take possession of us. He will have the, uh, the, the, the space to work, the ground to fill, and the ability to occupy us fully. All of his Riches will be wrought out through our spirit and we will bear fruit to glorify him. This is not a religious or ethical teaching. This is life in Christ. Hallelujah. My life is hid in him. The purpose of all these sermons even today is not to give you teachings or to cause you to be more religious or more ethical or a better example. It's to help you realize God's eternal purpose of pouring himself into us, into uh, the part of us where we can find him. Our life, our everything has been filled with him. So that we can live by him and enjoy him in our everything. What is the key? It's the mark of God's presence. And it's in our spirit. Such a wonderful, all-inclusive, unlimited God has limited himself to dwell within the finiteness of our spirit. How small and how limited we are, yet God is still in his fullness dwelling in our spirit. This is not a matter of, of preaching to someone to be religious. It is the triunity of God becoming everything in our spirit. 
We must learn to discern our spirit, deny our soul all the time, and turn continually to him. We have to forget our surroundings and abide in him and let him abide in us. Then the fruit will become the outworking of the inner working and presence of Jesus within our spirit. The outworking will represent what's happening on the inside. If you're looking at what's going on externally through your hand, it is an indicator of what's happening internally in you. You see, the religious way for us to be a Christian is to rise up early in the morning and pray prayers like this. Lord, I thank you for this new day. Help me today to do what is right and not do anything wrong. How many of you have asked God that? Help me today to glorify your name and to do your will, Lord. Lord, you, you know my temper. My temper is not really that good. I, I, I need you to help me to lose my temper. How many of you have prayed that? Lord, I, I really want to cuss this person out that just cut me off on the highway. But Lord, I'm asking you to put a soft word on my tongue. How many of you have prayed that? Lord, how nice it is to be so patient and humble. Yet I find myself neither. Help me, Lord, today to be patient and humble. Perhaps you did not pray exactly like this. But in principle, this is just the way that many of us have prayed and are still praying today. And this is not a spiritual prayer. It is a religious prayer. This is not a spiritual framework for prayer. It is a religious framework for prayer. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Dag, Bishop, that's the way I've been praying. That's the way I was taught to pray. That's what I'm supposed to pray, isn't it? What is it that I should be praying? What is it that I should be saying to God? Well, I would suggest to you today that your prayers should be more in line with this framework. Lord, I praise you. You are the wonderful one with the Father and the Spirit. How glorious is it that your Spirit is in my spirit. Lord, I look to you. I behold you. I worship you. I thank you. I praise you. I fellowship with you. These are the types of prayers that your prayers should be focused on. These are prayers that indicate God is at the forefront of your thought rather than your circumstances or yourself. You got to forget about being religious in your prayer life and doing good and hitting the right mark and saying the right things. For the whole day you will be in the heavenlies when you express God as the forefront of your everything. There will not be a need for you to think, be careful, do not rush, don't lose your temper. But just pray, Lord, I do not know any temper. I do not know any humility. I do not know any patience. I do not know this or that. I know only you, the glorious presence of all you are in me. This is how you fellowship with him. You praise him. You sing his hallelujahs. Then you will begin to see victory manifest itself in your life. When you come to the church, you will be in the heavenlies. I was talking to someone the other day and we were talking about the lack of people going to church today. It seems like more and more, less and less people go to church. And as I was expressing the necessity to go to church, to be around like-minded people who can pour into you, this person said to me, but I don't need to go to church to be a believer. And my response back to him was, you don't need to go to church to be a believer. You just need to believe to be a believer. But you don't need to go home to be married either. 
but how long do you think you'll stay married if you never go home? And they looked at me and said, I get it. You see, it requires your presence and your practice. It would be so easy for you to release your spirit and release the spirit of others when you are focused on the spirit of God that is in you. This is God's desire. And you need to make it your responsibility not to miss the mark. Let me give you a, a, a map with some clear instructions. There's no way and there's no need for you to miss what I'm getting ready to say. Why stick yourself to a mule wagon when today you have a jet? And not only a jet, but a rocket. I want to tell you where the rocket is. It is in your spirit. When you turn to the spirit, it is much more than being in the new Ford Lightning. It is like being in a supercharged jet. And sometimes in the morning, it's just like a, a rocket. You feel as if you are in the third heaven, so transcendent. A real believer should have such a wonderful experience with Christ as being in his presence and captivated by his brilliance that everything in life loses its glow. I remember not too many years ago, I met my wife at a movie. And this movie really pitted two kung fu uh, masters against each other. And at the end of this movie, the bad kung fu master wanted the other kung fu master to recognize him as the master. And in the limited CGI of the day, every time he would hit, the bad master would hit the good master, you would see like this red glow and sparks all around that person's body. And he would ask him, who's the master? And when he refused to respond, he'd hit him again and you'd see this red glow. And then he decided the good master to look within himself and he began to visualize within him who he was. That the master was not something external to him, but it was something that was inside of him. And when the, the bad master went to go hit him one more time, he caught the fist of the bad master. And that bad master's glow went out. And then there was a gold glow around this good master. Because he recognized the presence of something that was inside of him and he connected with it. When you cannot endure difficult situations and the suppression is beyond your strength, look to Jesus who is inside of you and you will rise so far above your circumstances that transcendent victory will only be your portion. Everything will be beneath your feet. Your circumstances, your frustrations, your fears will be beneath you. Many times I've been in trouble not knowing what it is I needed to do or what decision to make. And the more I analyzed the situation, the more confused and the more complicated I became. And then I said, Lord, let me forget all of this. Let me come back to your presence in my spirit so that I can look to you. And the enlightening when you do this is so glorious. The all-inclusive presence of everything that God is, you're tapping into. Abide in me and I in you. This is the secret.
when we discern the spirit then we can abide in him and find that he is the all-inclusive triunity of the Godhead in existence in you. He is the wonderful, all-inclusive, all-sufficient spirit indwelling in your spirit. And when, whenever we return to our spirit, we can contact him and we will find ourselves in light. We are in the life of God. We are in the power of God. We are in the heavenlies with God. We are with the triunity of God and the triunity of God is with us. How glorious this is. This is not just a sermon today it's a testimony of what I've enjoyed and experienced all my life learn to aim at the goal of God's desire and never swerve to the left or the right from it always keep to the mark of his fellowship with you and look to him beyond your trouble reflect him day by day by denying yourself and accepting exercising the spirit of God that's alive in you and you will find that you'll be able to tell yourself I don't have time for this nonsense because all my time is wrapped up with God I pray that the Lord allow these words that I've ministered to you today to really resonate within your spirit. That you begin to focus on who God is, not just outside of you, but who he is inside of you. He, Yehovah Rapha, is alive in you. He, Jehovah Yaira, is alive in you. He, Jehovah Sikhnu, is alive in you. There's not one portion, one characteristic, one element of God that's not alive in you. He's the everything that you need. He is the everything that you are. And there is nothing that is greater than him. Know this for yourself. Connect with him in yourself. And you will express him out of yourself. May God bless you. Heaven smile upon you. And you be in great peace make it an awesome Sunday and an amazing week we'll see you soon